Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is a regularly scheduled meeting of your Canton Zoning Board of Appeals. Tonight be being December 1st, 2022. Uh, it is 6 p.m. and we are in the Sala meeting room on the second floor of the Canton Town Hall. Uh, tonight we have sitting in attendance uh, regular members J.R. McCourt, Mr. Michael Corey, uh, our administrative assistant, um, Amanda Stark, and my name is Greg Pando. Uh, tonight we have four scheduled hearings and uh, minutes from a previous meeting, and we have no informals. And with that, I will start the meeting by taking our first scheduled hearing. Um, I, uh, when I call our hearings tonight, uh, representatives uh, can please take the table in front and uh, that's what we will do. So on petition of Jonathan and Kimberly Rodriguez, special permit and or variance if necessary are requested under the applicable provisions of the Canton Zoning Bylaws for the use to convert a single family dwelling to a two family dwelling in a single residence AA district located at 3096 Washington Street, Canton, Mass. Map lot 70, parcel 16. Uh, a public hearing will be held on Thursday, December 1st, 2022 at 6 p.m. in the Sala Meeting Room, second floor Memorial Hall, 801 Washington Street, Canton, Mass. This being the time and place, I have in my possession an application received by the Board of Appeals on October 14th, 2022. I also have in my possession a certified list of abutters uh, for the town of Canton and the uh, town of Milton uh, prepared by the uh, Canton and Milton Board of Assessors, both um, indicating that all those entitled to notice under the applicable provisions of Mass General Laws Chapter 40A have been so duly notified. Um, petitioner for the Rodriguez, are they here? Come on up. Good evening. Good, Good evening. <laughs> and you are, I assume, Jonathan and Kimberly. That is correct. correct. There you go. <laughs> uh, so please tell us uh, what you're looking for. Absolutely. So uh, we um, purchased the uh, property at 3096 Washington Street in Canton. Um, we were looking to convert it to a two-family. <clears throat> um, we had taken a look at the bylaws. Um, and looked at the uh, table of use regulations um, and stating that it was able to be converted to a two-family if it was built before March 8, 1937. Our home was built in 1910. Um, along with that, that's subject to Section 8.4 requirements, um, which says that the plot um, being on a non-wetland needed to be 30,000 square feet. Um, and it had to be 25% larger than that. So that would be 37,500. Our lot is 44,866 square feet. Um, there, it asked for no exterior enlargement. We're not looking to enlarge anything exteriorly. Uh, we're not looking to change the external appearance, which was the third stipulation. Um, we're just looking to basically wall off and have two units, that's it. And I mean, the, um, 
utilities are already set up for that. We bought it like that. We walked into there, there's two oil tanks, there's two electrical boxes, there's two boilers, there's two water heaters, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm looking at, uh, if we do get into that, I think you, you covered the, the issues in section eight. Uh, my only concern is that the uh, current zone is a double A zone, which is requires 45,000 square foot lot. Uh, it does, as long as the property is not located is, is located in a wet zone in a wet um, Wetlands. land. But our property, we did double check on that, and it says that our property is not located in a wet wetland. Wetland. It's a non. It's a non wetland, which was no. That's it, uh, I'm looking at section 8.4.2, and it says conversion of a single-family dwelling uh, that was in existence on March 8th, 1937, which is when we uh, accepted zoning. This house was built in 1910, clearly does. Mm -hmm. It's allowed to be converted into not more than two families and other uses, subject to the following requirements. One is that such a dwelling is located on a lot having an area of at least 25% larger than the minimum herein required for construction of a building in the same district. That's number one. So the building, it's a, it's a, a double A zone, which is 45,000 square feet. And you would need 25% larger than that. And according to the plan you provided, your lot is only 45,000 square feet. because we had asked about what the difference between wetland and non-wetland was, and we were told that our home was on a non-wetland, and it said non-wetland was 30,000. That's why we approached with that. I think you're, I don't know who was telling you that, but it may have to do with a, a different overlay district, but um, it's pretty, pretty straightforward that uh, <coughs> the requirements under 8.4 uh, Mr. McCourt. Mr. Chairman, on that note, on the 8.4, um, I went to the town assessors and I pulled up the sheet on this property and the square footage is 44,867. Um, so it doesn't meet the 25%. However, in process of doing all this, this house when it was built back when and is listed as a two family on the assessor's sheet. So somewhere along the line, <coughs> this house built in 1910 was a two-family. Uh, I went out and saw the property. Um, of course, I didn't know how far it was down on 138 it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite surprised it was across from the ski slope. Um, but it did show two meters, uh, two oil fills, um, and basically looked from the outside as if it was a potential two-family unit. Mm -hmm. So somewhere along the line, this got switched, maybe a family size or whatever, to a single family. And the petitioners are looking to convert it back to, I'm going to say its original form. Um, so I don't see how 8.4 would, it was an existing situation. And then it was converted by somebody somewhere, somehow, without any of the town's knowledge to a single. So now to bring it back to a single, I don't think we would have to require that. 25% as it 
to me it was a true family from what it looked like. And in the past, we have had similar situations where a family, this use had changed from a single to a double in single family in different areas of the town. And we went out and looked, basically, to see what the use was. And to me, it looked like it was a two-family. It has two vehicle entrances. However, now, the situation at hand is that and if we give you relief to go back that way, now you have to redo it and you have to go to the current building codes in which to do that. And that could be extensive to the building department with fire codes or what have you. Um, but being that said, if there was no opposition to neighbors, I wouldn't have a problem myself under what we see here is given a special permit to go back to the two family and that's through the building department and the petition of the interesting i think i think we they could probably it, it 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 makes sense to me that at some point in time depending on how far those records go back to a two-family right because that whole area was all single family residence zone single a yeah and it wasn't always double a the the uh, larger lots at yeah. one point it was thirty thousand right. square feet and so somewhere in the 60s or 70s yeah it changed over to the more restrictive zoning. So um, um, I, I think your theory is reasonable. I just, it just seems fair and reasonable. Uh, my only thing would be is an objection to a neighbor. Yep. That would be my, if, if, if an abutter had sir. an issue with it. Mr. Corey? I, I appreciate what Mr. McCourt did in terms of research. My thought was in Rodriguez's application, they had noted that it was an existing, it was originally a two-family. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought, okay, so to the extent it wasn't con officially converted and approved as a single family, it, it, maybe we could treat it as a prior non-conforming um, uh, home. And my thought was, okay, well, was, was the conversion to a single family uh, official and and blessed, and when was that? Because that would, you know, the uses. I was thinking, okay, use as a sing, as a two-family, if it's if it hasn't been abandoned for a certain period. I'm not sure when it went from two-family to a single. I'm not sure either. But yeah. we, we know that we we saw that on the record was 1987 was when they did the work. Okay. To All make right. it over to a two-family, um, and then we have no idea. When and there was went. nothing. There was nothing. Um, when we officially in the building department reclaiming See, the, it as a as a yeah. no we bought, it was listed as a multifamily we bought it as a right. multifamily right yeah. closing is a multifamily and then we and saw everything and, and it's built with features <coughs> of a multifamily well yes, to follow up on that theory yeah. the there is there is no uh, documentation in the town building department that has a permit for the work for that the made it a single so that because it physically exists as, a as and appears as a single Oh. Doesn't doesn't matter because legally, right, that work wasn't done. So it's it's legally still the chain is is that of a of right. a uh, right. two family. So I, I I think you both have valid points. Is is there anyone in the hall that would like to speak with respect to this petition? Yes, please um, come to the microphone. Microphone uh, is is for the folks at home, uh, not here in the halls. Stage it. Yes. 
Okay. Um, our understanding, uh, this is the uh, Foster's old house, Mike, uh, which might be helpful to you. Um, our understanding is that the house was uh, listed as a single residence, purchased as a single residence. Um, we're not, what we're uncomfortable with is the changing of the zoning or the changing of the house to a two-family. Um, what we're not uncomfortable with is we looked at the town of Needham. Um, they have what's called in a auxiliary dwelling unit. An auxil auxiliary dwelling unit, which they put into their by uh, bylaws, which we have a copy of in 2019, which was to be able to have people, my understanding is that what these folks wanted to do is to have the mother-in-law living next door um, or, or some sort of a family person li living next door. We're not opposed to that. What we are uncomfortable with is the changing of the zoning because we're concerned about the value of our home, mm -hmm. which is right next door. Okay. Um, with the auxiliary dwelling unit, um, what that does is it basically says, and we'd be glad to give you a copy of this if helpful. Um, for, for another town? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't help us at all. No, that's okay, oh. but basically... We have to go by our... We have, we have similar legislation in our bylaws. Oh, you oh, do? You have, yep. Oh, if you have... So what would the auxiliary uh, dwelling unit be for the town? Can well, we're going we're gonna to ask them a few more questions and get oh, into okay. this. Okay. But, so then is there an option beyond change, changing the zoning? Yep. concerned about, you know, if, if these folks sell the home mm -hmm. or if, if they decide, okay, it is a two-family home, we're going to sell the unit next door. Right. Okay. Then what's to stop us at that point? How does the footprint not grow? So how does the footprint not grow? How do we not have all of a sudden stairs on the outside of the house or now we've got two garages going sure. onto the property, et cetera, et cetera? I understand. So... Yeah, some kind of something that... We'd like to work with, um, with Rodriguez and, and, and try to make that work, but I think you understand that we're concerned about the bylaws. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, moving, moving forward. Um, yes, um, I didn't realize the Greenwoods um, would be appearing tonight on this. Um, the Greenwoods are very good friends of my, my, me and my family. Uh, they're also... Ex existing clients um so i mean i well let me ask a you a question um, you do you feel that uh th that uh, that would affect your uh professional judgment in this case I, I i just the the appearance of a conflict i think would justify and and uh, per, matt or um should should be in on this instead of me i why well, I, I was not aware of this before now Mr. Chairman, in all due respect, Barbara's here and has listened to all the testimony. Why couldn't we have Barbara sit in Mr. Corey's place? And that way, this can continue. That's a reasonable, uh, reasonable uh, 
Miss St. Andre, if you would uh, join us at the table. <laughs> Do you so solemnly swear that uh, blah, 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 et cetera? It's our alternate member. Um, and you may, you may remain here, Mr. Corey. <laughs> You're welcome. Without leaving. So let me, uh, my head in shame. Let me go forward and ask you some questions. Sure. Uh, the use of this, of this second dwelling unit in your home, what's your intended use for it? We would like to uh, be able, we actually want to have the both options. We were considering if his parents moved to our property because they're getting old and they are about to retire. So we would love to have them. However, if they don't agree of moving with us for some reason, they live up in Cambridge, uh, we will be okay with renting the other unit to another family in Canton, for example. I'm not sure if this is possible, but I would like to give an answer to their concern. I think I may have a way to relieve their concern. Well, why don't we, why don't we, oh, why don't okay. we uh, look at some things? First of all, um, if you want to move a, a relative into your home in a separate, uh, um, we call it accessory apartment, mm -hmm. basically in a single family dwelling. If it's a family relative, you don't even need a permit. You can just do it and move in. Uh, we, we understand that. You need a permit from zoning, I want to be very clear. From a zoning standpoint, um, uh, family relatives can live, it can be uh, separate, That's that you don't need a, a special permit or any zoning relief for that. Uh, we also do have um, an accessory dwelling unit in our bylaw uh, that if you get a special permit for that, you're allowed to rent it to non-related individuals. If we are aware of that, my concern is the house is already split like in the middle, talking about utilities. So if we do the accessory apartment in the second floor, we are going to have one heating system going to half of the house, and the other heating system is going to go... Uh, I, I, uh, getting into the physical... That's not it. We really don't care about the physical logistics of how it's separated. That's not a zoning issue. It's, it's just because it, it can't be higher than 30% of the total area of the house. I was taking a look of it. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the two choices that we have. Mm -hmm. We can give you relief uh, for, for an in-law apartment. You don't need any relief at all. We can close the hearing uh, without prejudice, and you can uh, satisfy the building department and move your relatives in. If you want to create a legal accessory apartment, you have to fulfill the requirements that I'm going to get into mm -hmm. and get a special permit for that. So those are the two options that, uh, that are most reasonable. Mr. Chairman, may I? Um, with the accessory apartment special permit, that basically takes care of your, um, your neighbor, your brother's concerns. Yep because basically the outside of the building can't change in appearance and all that particularly. You're, you're staying within the confines. Um, with the, with just if I may, Mr. Chairman, yes. on the abutters' concerns, which I, I do cherish them, I'm just still going by, this is not a zoning change, this is that the Tower of Canton Assessments Department classifies this thing as two-family. 
So this is my this is my concern, and this is my. I understand the abundance. Right. I understand the petitioners. We have uh, I have right here. I got this today from the assessor's office classifying this building as a two-family. So somewhere along the line, something got changed, maybe 1987 without permits. And now that the building inspector has actually visited the site, he realizes it's a single, so now you're trying to convert it back into a double, but we have a departmental issue here in my, in my head. We have the assessor calling this a two-family, which is the house is being assessed at and taxed at, which I don't believe is a residential, I don't think there's a difference in the taxes, it's residential. Um, but I think that to, to be fair to the abutters, to be fair to everything, might be the best way to go is this accessory unit where you could, you know, not necessarily just to, you can get a special permit for the accessory, mm -hmm. and then if your parents don't move in or whatever, you still have the ability to rent that unit. Right. So that would be, and that would, your abutters' concerns would disappear pretty much, May I? I believe. May I just add one last thing? So this house was actually on the market for over a year, and they were trying to sell it, and they were unable to do so because of the situation that we are talking um, here today. Um, I would like to let them know that I don't really think the price of their house is going to be affected, just because when, when an appraisal comes to the house, they are going to do some comparisons. If, I, if our house is a multifamily house, they cannot compare their house with our house, so there is no way that their value of their home is going to go down. And also, there's no, with, now, with all due respect, there's no way that's, we can't look in a mirror and, and see that. We can't see that if this goes to a two family and, and, and you both leave and two renters come in, there could be a destruction of the neighbor. I, I, can't, I can't see that. I can't, we can't talk about you know, cost of the houses. We're just, Concerned of the abutters' concerns, mm -hmm. yeah. and yes. we're I'm, recept I'm receptive to, you know, the paperwork I have in front of me. Right. Mm -hmm. Says it's that said, uh, I don't know, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, I'm going to get into uh, Ms. St. Andre's uh, opinions in a second. I just want to outline uh, the issues of um, of the issue, two things. First of all, the conversion back to a to a single family. Um, was is there's no record of it, so it wasn't done with permits. So the the, the legal chain is currently it's a two-family house. But what we want to do is satisfy everyone. We want to do a little bit of Solomon here, and uh, and put added protections. Uh, the accessory apartment uh, regulations in the town of Canton require the house to be owner occupied. And a conversion, and I'll give you the, uh, the you can, you're allowed, uh, you can have a special permit for an accessory apartment in a single family dwelling in all districts, provided that all of the following requirements are met. Um, and the effective date is 1989, January 1st. The owner of the dwelling has to occupy one of the two sides of the house. Uh, there be no more than one accessory apartment. There are no boarders or lodgers within either unit. 
the lot has to be at least 10,000 square feet or the minimum for each residential zone. They do meet the minimum for the 45,000 for their zone. The existing floor area of the dwelling has to have at least 2,000 square feet as of 1989, which it does. Um, the maximum floor area is not more than 30% of the total square footage so that they could take 30% of the existing and make it into the accessory apartment. The accessory apartment can have no more than two bedrooms. And then they also have to get building department approval, board of health approval, sewer, water, et cetera, conservation, and all the other boards. Exterior of appearance of the dwelling, very specific, designed so that the appearance of the structure remains that of a single family dwelling. Subject to the further, there are no exterior stairs allowed. All stairways to second or third stories enclosed within, within the exterior walls. No enlargements or extensions of the dwelling in connection with the apartment. Any new entrance needs to be located at the side or the rear so it doesn't have the appearance of multifamily from the front. And where there are two or more existing entrances on the front, the result shall be that one appears to be the principal entrance and the other appears secondary. Two off-street parking spaces for the principal dwelling and at least one parking space for the accessory apartment. All this has to be met. Um, each parking space has to be on an imper impervious bituminous uh, or other approved surface. No other motor vehicles other than in the parking spaces should be parked. And um, where there are more than two outdoor spaces totally, uh, there should be provided suitable screening with evergreen and de dense plantings uh, between parking spaces and the nearest lot line or if there's sufficient to, uh, uh, coverage of uh, plantings to your property as well and in the front. So that out outlines the, the pretty strict uh, controls we have. Um, the yes, I, you're going to have to use the mic. You mentioned thirty percent of the existing square footage. That's the maximum size of the accessory apartment. Okay, so if the house, for example, was a thousand square feet, it could be three hundred square feet. Correct. And it could be no more than two bedrooms. Correct. Okay. In, in terms of the parking space. One one space one space required for the accessory apartment one parking space, two sp parking spaces required for the main house. So a total of three spaces, okay. and it has to be screened so that it doesn't affect on small. It's, it's mostly for smaller lots, uh, so that if if your next door neighbor is 15 20 feet away, they're, they're plant some trees next to the parking to to uh, screen the parking lot. So it's pretty, it's pretty uh, strict. Uh, the, the permit for the accessory apartment is issued for three years. Uh, they automatically re renew unless uh, there, is, uh, there are complaints on file uh, with the building department or if there are any kind of abuses, and at that point, uh, uh, they're not renewed. 
No, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's ad, ad uh, let's see ad hominem. Is that ad hominem rather than ad personam? It goes with the property. So it would carry with the property. Correct. So if they sold the house, the new owner. Right, but the owner, but one of the two units must be owner occupied. Whoever buys the property has to occupy one side or the other, and that's to prevent somebody buying it as a an income property. And this is a three-year. Yep. What that does, in a way, is it protects the value of, of uh, the integrity of the neighborhood as well. Uh, talked an awful lot. Uh, Miss St. Andre, any thoughts? I, I have a couple thoughts. Yep. I respectfully disagree a little bit. Okay. It seems to me that, notwithstanding what the assessor's records show, this is being used currently as a single family home and has right. been for some time seems to me that you could look at it as the two-family use has been abandoned. It's a single family, and so we're back to what they originally applied for, which was Section 8.4. Okay. And then we have the issue that you pointed out at the beginning, which is that they don't meet the um, area with at least 25% larger. To make so it a two-family. To make it a two-family. Right. So that's, that's a problem. I guess one of my questions would be, you know, could we grant a variance from that? Requirement. I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't, mm -hmm. but that's a question. And I think you're absolutely correct. They could definitely do the accessory apartment um, if they wanted to go that route. So, I, I mean, I haven't made up my mind. I'm still listening, but those are just kind of my original thoughts. Okay. Is there anyone else in the hall that uh, wishes to comment on this? Um, Mr. McCourt? Sort of a um, what Bob said is uh, really that once again we have no time on on that changeover. We have yeah. no timeline, no way we can find when that was. We have no evidence of when that was switched over. And yeah, you could say it was done 10, 15 years ago. We don't we don't know. We got nothing to prove that. The uh, I got a listing here that calls it a two-family. The listing at the realtor.com calls it a two-family, multi-family use. Well, you, you, we never believe it. I know. I'm just saying. Like um, used realtors, you're like, sorry, I hope there are any realtors in there, but they're like used car sales. I know, but as, uh, as a member of this board, I've always looked at things. I've always gone to the sources yep. that you need for the information, and every source I went to, it says it's a two-family unit, except when I went to talk to the building inspector, he said it was switched over. So that's where we're at. I think, personally, I think the accessory apartment is probably the best way to go with this. Yep. Uh, that ensures the abutter his uh, concerns pretty much, and it takes care of the petitioner in a certain way that mm -hmm. everybody kind of works together in a common goal. I think what it does is does two things. I think that uh, uh, Barbara making an excellent uh, argument, the fact that the, the physical evidence of the existing condition is that of a single family, and our building commissioner had shown that irrespective of what the records of the community show it as a, as a uh, two-family, that uh, whether or not it was not updated, whether it was not applied for, physically this is what it currently is today, um, is a single family. Um, I also respect your issue that, that uh, legally we, it, it shows it as a, a two-family uh, in the record. But I think 
the simplest thing and uh, it, it would solve the entire uh, issue and also give protections to you and to the neighborhood is to have you uh, comply with the provisions for the accessory apartment. Um, and what you need to do is uh, we could issue you a, a permit for an accessory apartment not to exceed 30% of the square footage of your existing home. And what you'll have to do is you'll have to get your architect or engineers to figure out how to make that occur and to um, provide the building department whatever they need um, in terms of um, design with the state building code, which is not part of our jurisdiction. We can issue, we can issue the permit for the, this, for the use, and then you're going to have to go further and, uh, and uh, get the plans done to, to satisfy that use. And I think that, that probably is uh, the best way to proceed. I mean, <clears throat> I mean it, it sounds like the best way to proceed, but the way the house is set up, that would be very difficult for us to make a 30%. Like, it would, it would take a lot of, like, probably breaking of the outside and, and, and doing things, because the way it's set up is... I can't give you more than 30% of that. I, no, I know that that's what I'm saying. I know it sounds like it's the best way to go. I can, I can either, we can either uh, uh, take a vote and, and see how the board feels about giving you the special permit for 30%, or if uh, you don't want to go that direction, we can have you withdraw without prejudice, which means that um, go back to square one and think about it. Um, if we deny it, you're prevented from proceeding for two years. So we don't want to do that. Uh, we'd allow you to withdraw. You can think about it and uh, come back uh, with a different plan if you want in the future. So either we can withdraw or we can give you the 30%. Or if you want more time, we can uh, put this over to another hearing if you want to think about it. I'm still caught up on the fact. That I mean, we can. It, I mean, it, it we can. A, we it, can put it by law. Is technically, it's a two-family. <laughs> so well, like, just by the paperwork we saw. However, the building department was at your house, and he saw the conversion to a single family. The question is, when was that done? You mentioned 1987. If it was, was the conversion to the, the two? No, if, if if that was in '87, then Barbara's argument is valid by your voice that it, it was abandoned as a two-family as of 1987. Oh, no, 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 1987 is when it was constructed into a multifamily. Because no, well, well, that's there, there is according an addition to of kitchen and a stairs in that date. Uh, we do have the paperwork. I think I added to the... Well, you know, here's the deal. We've been, we've been going over this. If you would like time to think about it, I'll put this over to a, another time, and uh, at that point in time, we can, we can uh, go forward. So... It, seem, it seems you need to think about it, right? Or am I wrong? You want when, to think about when it? Would you, like, when is it going to be uh, pushed if we want to? Well, I, what I do is I'd push it out to uh, our first scheduled meeting in January. Well, that way you can uh, get, get through the holidays. You don't have to worry about it. What's the date? Hmm? What's the date? Uh, we haven't approved it yet, but uh, it would be January 12th. I'm going to recommend we do that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I, I, 
I, I sense a little bit of hesitancy. I don't want you to make uh, a, a decision, a rash decision that, that uh, doesn't have enough thought behind it. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to continue this to the 12th of January, and at that time we can uh, take it back up. All right? Thank you. Um, having said that, before we proceed any further, uh, we do have our proposed uh, 2023 zoning meeting schedule uh, that everyone should have. And uh, I would, um, and I'm sure we've all looked at it uh, carefully, I would uh, like recommend that um, Barbara. Barbara memorized it. <laughs> um, I, what I would suggest is, uh, without further ado, Mr. McCourt, if you would uh, make a motion to accept the... Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to accept the 2023 Zoning Board of Appeals meeting schedule. Seconded. And seconded by Mr. Corey. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. Aye. aye unanimous. So that our uh, meeting schedule for 2023 is set. Ms. St. Andre, thank you so much for uh, participating. You may, you may remain there yeah, if I you like, wish. I like, I like to hear them up here. <laughs> Comfortable chair. <laughs> I don't have to thank have you, Barbara. I appreciate anymore. it. <laughs> And uh, thank you for uh, bringing that up, sir. Take care. All right, Either our way. next uh, hearing uh, is that of Jack and Cynthia Pye, uh, 15 Holly Way, Dimensional Relief for Construction of a Shed. Come have a seat. On petition of Jack and Cynthia Pye. Oh, Pye or is it Pick? It's actually Pitch. Pick, I'm sorry. That's okay. I need new glasses. I get lots of different. Special permit and a variance if necessary are requested under the applicable provisions of the Canton Zoning Bylaws. A dimensional relief to construct a shed in a single residence AA district located at 15 Holly Way, Canton, Mass. Map 110, Lot 6. Public hearing will be held on Thursday, December 1st, 2022 at 6 p.m. The Sala Meeting Room, Second Floor Memorial Hall. Uh, this is the time and place. I have in my possession an application received by the Board of Appeals on October 14th, 2022. I also have in my possession a certified list of abutters indicating that all those entitled to notice under the applicable provisions of Mass General Laws Chapter 40A have been so duly notified. And uh, just for the record, sitting on this hearing, uh, Mr. McCourt, Mr. Corey, and myself, Mr. Pando. Good evening. Hi. Apologies for being late. The traffic was terrible. <laughs> That's quite all right. So, you want to tell us what you're proposing here? It's a shed of, what, less than 200 square feet? Correct, yes. Um, so, we're looking at a shed that's built here in New England. It um, would be made to suit the location and match the house with all of the hardy board siding and the paint. Um, we're looking at 10, we think we can fit a 10 by 14 in that location. Um, it's at the end of, uh, new black pavement um, and it would be right adjacent to the house i believe the setbacks that the gentleman downstairs told me about are were, would be 15 feet from the side of the property which we can't quite make we think we can probably accommodate 12 and a half um, from the side of the next door neighbor's property line um, what else can i tell you the lot is, it's a, it's a brand new community, so it was one of these communities that was built on fill. So it has a, quite a, a steep slope on the back and a septic system on the side of the house, so there are very few options for a shed. 
All right, so specifically it says here you would like to uh, have placed this 10 by 14 shed. You show it to the right of the garage from the street. 40 feet, 45 feet back from the front property line, uh, which is nine feet further back from the front elevation of the uh, garage. Yes. Um, and 12 feet off the side property line. Yeah, we think 12 or 12 and a half feet is the... Now, the roof over tang doesn't count, so okay. that's okay. Um, is that, is that, um, now that means the, the shed is only one and a half feet off the house. Yes, it's quite, it's right close to is the house. Is that a problem for you? Would you like more room? Um, no, I don't think so. It's, it's, I think as long as we can maintain some passage for air and that sort of thing, but it's between the door and that air conditioning unit, so it, it fits right in there nicely, or it would. Um, is there anyone, uh, I'm just curious, is there anyone in the hall that's here with respect to this petition? All right, there's no one here as an abutter. Um, Mr. McCord, I, I, my sense is that it's, it's too close to the house. I, I wouldn't have any problem. I would, uh, I have no problem. I have more problem. Re more relief to that sidewalk. Yeah, going to five or six feet instead of the 14. Yeah. I just, just that's for your own benefit to get to the siding of your house, to clean your house, right. to do whatever. I think we've seen there's no objection. This is yeah. one of those situations again with the shed right. and the lot. Um, I don't think there'd be a, any problem giving relief up to, you know, five feet from the residence. For, for your benefit, too, that the uh, zoning committee is... is working on correcting that. That's good, because we're getting a lot of these sheds. <laughs> that, will be, that will be at town meeting this yes. year, and we will not necessarily have these hearings in the future. Yes. Um, not that we don't appreciate you being here. Oh, like you. Uh, Mr. Corey. Yeah, I, uh, I very much want to grant this. I was looking at the photo that um, you provided, and maybe I'm just not visualizing this correctly. It looks as if you've shown by red dots where it would be and it looks as if the front um, left corner would be right at the edge of the driveway and the sidewalk? Nope, nope, it's here. Nope. No, it's recessed back from the house. There's a door, side door to the garage, so it would be behind not, that. Yeah. You're just a, looking at the arrow. Here's the, the garage. arrow's placed next to the garage. I'm looking at that dot. Yeah, there's, I wouldn't There's the garage. Yeah. There's, the, there's the driveway for the garage, so the shed would be over here. Oh, okay. Back from the... Yeah, I'm fine with it. There you go. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I was thinking it's, despite the fact that it's on the side, it is in the front, but that's yep. wrong, incorrect. Right. No, I'm fine with it. Okay. Um, so you'd prefer that we leave some space so that we can walk in between the house and garage and I think we'll give, do the I maintenance? I think we'll give you relief to give you that option. Okay. That'd be fantastic. I, I think we, the consensus here is we'll give you relief to within five feet of the property line. Okay. That way you, you can give you a choice of, of where you want to put it. Okay but no closer than five feet instead of the 12. Totally fine, yeah. So that gets it further off. But I think that the um, 45 feet back is, is reasonable. So five feet and 45 feet would be the two uh, restricting dimensions. Okay. But if right. you want to bring it close to the house, be, be our guest. Okay. It's just to your benefit. All right. It no, just gives perfect. you a little more flexibility. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. 
Um, is uh, once again, anyone in the hall wishes to uh, speak with respect to this petition? Seeing none, Mr. McCourt. Mr. Chairman, on petition of Jack and Cynthia Pick, uh, 15 Hollow Way, Canton, Massachusetts, I make a motion that we grant relief for the uh, shed to be at the proposed location, 45 feet from the property line, and no closer than five feet from the side property line. So moved. Seconded. I'm uh, thinking, uh, you can probably smell the uh, smoke. Well, I could add, as per um, the documented picture and letter received. Well, under, this is really hard finding it in this. It's not a special permit. I think uh, we, I'm looking at the lot. It's a crazy lot. The shape is, is nuts. There's a lot of wetlands. There's topography all over the place. And I think it meets the conditions for a variance, and I think that we should issue it as a variance. For a shed? Uh, for dimensional relief. I'm fine with that. Just to be, just to be. Chef. All right, Mr. Chairman, I rescind the last motion. <laughs> Sorry. Harumph, okay. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, on petition of Jack and Cynthia Pick, 15 Hollyway, I make a motion that we grant a variance Thank you. for the placement of a shed 45 feet from the front property line and no closer to five feet from the right side lot, as depicted in the picture and on the plan received. Thank you so much. Seconded. Uh, motion is made and seconded. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. Aye. Aye, aye, unanimous. I see Attorney Matthews is nodding your approval to my, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. You can put suspenders and belts on something, do it. <laughs> that's, that's the, so here's the deal. We have to uh, write a decision. It will be ready at our next meeting, probably, to be signed by the board members. Okay. Uh, that's on the 15th. On the 16th, it goes on record with the town clerk's office. There's a 30-day appeal period. Okay. At the end of the appeal period, uh, that decision, uh, you get, you get a, a notice from the town clerk that says no appeal's been made. That decision has to get filed at the Registry of Deeds. The filing, recording information goes back to the uh, building department. But since you don't need a building permit, I don't know why we're doing that, but we have to anyway. <laughs> it's 200. <laughs> oh, 120? Oh, okay. Then you do need a building permit. Oh, okay. Right. So that's, that's the time schedule it'll take. So it'll be January. Okay, so we'll receive something in the mail saying yeah, that we're you can you can check with the building, building department. Tamara will uh, will fill you in and uh, okay, perfect. help you with that. All right. All right, thank you very much. You're entirely welcome. Third uh, item, business Vertex Tower Assets LLC, Canton Fish and Game. On petition to Vertex Tower Assets LLC, Canton Fish and Game Association, Inc., special permit and a variance if necessary requested in the applicable provisions of the Canton Zoning Bylaws for relief to install a wireless telecommunications tower in a single residence B district located at 25 Nasir Ahmad Road, Canton, Mass. Map 11, Lot 22. Public hearing will be held on Thursday, December 1st, 2022 at 6 p.m. Sala meeting room, second floor, Memorial Hall, Canton, Mass. This is the time and place 
I have in my possession an application completed by the applicant and received by the Board of Appeals on October 13, 2022. Also have a list, a certified list of abutters prepared by the Canton Board of Assessors indicating that all those entitled to notice under the applicable provisions of Mass General Laws Chapter 40A have been so duly notified. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, my name is Francis Parisi, an, an, an attorney representing the applicant Vertex Tower Assets, LLC. As was read in the notice, we are here tonight seeking a variance uh, from your zoning bylaw and a special permit if the board deems necessary to construct what your bylaw calls a telecommunications tower, but what the railroad calls a cell tower at 25 Nasser Ahmed Road uh, on land owned by the Canton Fish and Game Association. Um, the property is a, uh, in, in the um, um, Residence B zoning district for which telecommunications facilities are not a permitted use, so we require a use variance. In addition, your zoning bylaw um, indicates that telecommunications facilities that are in a permitted zone, either an industrial or a zone, shall require a special permit. So I wasn't sure whether or not we need the special permit as well, and but uh, yep. we applied for it, bootstrap and suspenders. Um, in addition, uh, we understand that the zoning board seeks um, advisory um, uh, review from the planning board under the auspice of site plan review. We applied to the planning board for site plan review. We had a meeting two weeks ago in front of the planning board. Uh, the planning board. I'm not sure. Um, the planning board wanted to do a site visit, which we did last week, and uh, um, we were continued to next week. But uh, uh, I'm pretty confident the planning board will uh, approve the project as proposed. Uh, in addition, um, uh, we've been in contact with the conservation agent. We understand there's some minor work in a resource area. It's not a wetlands buffer; it's a riverfront buffer, so it's a, a extended buffer. Uh, but given the previous development on the property, the minimal amount of development we're doing, we understand we need to go to the Conservation Commission, but we thought it prudent to go to this board first to get the requisite relief before we went to the uh, Conservation Commission, but we intend to go there at some point. Uh, uh, by way of introduction, Vertex Towers is what we call a wireless infrastructure developer. Um, we work with various telecommunications companies, all the names that you've heard of, like Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile, um, to build telecommunications infrastructure. We've been very active in the Massachusetts um, area and throughout all of New England for the past several years. Uh, and I myself have been doing uh, uh, wireless infrastructure work for over 20 years in front of this zoning board, probably 20 or 25 years ago, with the first for the, what we call the first generation of cell towers. Uh, uh, but uh, um, the, what has changed over the last 25 years is more and more people have gotten phones, more and more people are using their phones for a variety of different reasons, and uh, the demand for uh, better telecommunications coverage is just increasing exponentially. I prepared a very extensive application package with a whole bunch of uh, affidavits, maps, um, uh, site plans, uh, and uh, we'll go through them kind of cursory tonight. Uh, in addition, uh, when we were in front of the planning board last week, or two weeks ago, the planning board engaged a consulting engineer to review our plans. The consulting engineer asked for a few more details. Uh, quite frankly, I don't think they're relevant to the zoning board. Uh, they were more delineate some lines and things like that. It doesn't change the 
project or the use, uh, but we have updated plans as well. Uh, they, uh, and in the spirit of giving everybody everything, um, they asked for some other um, stormwater runoff uh, uh, mitigation plans and uh, um, operation maintenance plans for the access driveway. Again, I don't think it affects the use, but I have copies for the board here as well. And finally, the, uh, the, um, as a result of the site visit, the board, uh, the planning board asked us to submit some photographs to them, and I have a bunch of them here, and we can talk about them tonight as well. I'm going to give those out so we can talk about them as we go through. While you're doing that, uh, uh, do you expect, when do you expect to have a, um, a vote from the planning board on their um, a recommendation? Okay. So, uh, um, uh, and I, uh, uh, I think all you missed it. Uh, uh, as well? Thank you if it's an extra, but if you need it, you yep. can keep it. Uh, uh, so, my suspicions will be back with a positive recommendation from them uh, next week. Um, I don't know if I need to sell wireless telecommunications generally. Uh, um, the statistics are staggering. Over 80% of 911 calls are made by wireless phones. Over 50% of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is wireless only. And that number is increasing as we have uh, sold more um, telephones into the market. Um, uh, what's happened in the, during the pandemic is that people have moved home and have relied on um, residential telecommunications and wireless telecommunications to work from home to to educate from home, uh, and uh, um, you know the demand for wireless is um, increasing dramatically. In addition, our phones are doing more. When I was first here, we thought we were providing coverage to um, Route 128 and Route 138, and as we've seen, it's become a residential as opposed to a, a, a mobile technology. And also, uh, um, um, th th our phones do more. Before, we just used them to talk, then we started texting, and now we're sending mobile data and pictures and accessing websites and that that uh, um, technology just requires better coverage and also um, um, faster coverage and and so we're struggling throughout all of Massachusetts to bring it closer to residences without being a dramatic impact on residential neighborhoods um, um, we um, there's there's clearly a gap in coverage and the gap is is um, you know, what telecommunications companies like Verizon are trying to do is provide a signal that works in your basement, in your, uh, uh, in, in all buildings in the area. Uh, um, a car is not really a structural impediment to a telecommunications signal versus a building like this, for example. We want the, the, your phone to work when you're talking to the building inspector downstairs in the basement or in any other uh, residential facility. So. Uh, you know, places where we had coverage five and ten years ago are getting um, uh, worse coverage. In addition, we've all heard about the new technology advances, 5G, and that's uh, what that is, is the fifth generation of technology. Uh, uh, it's a, uh, uh, a, a technology that uses higher frequencies on the, the frequency spectrum. It's faster technology. It's more data intensive, and that actually requires a better quality signal as well. Uh, and, and in addition, what's happening is in order to make room in the technical world and in the physical world for 5G, 
telecommunications companies like Verizon are dismantling the 3G networks. So anyone here that still has a 3G phone, uh, it no longer works. And the 3G was um, an analog phone which had a better coverage uh, based on the technology available at the time. And so places that we saw that had coverage even a year ago are losing coverage because of the, uh, the uh, um, dismantling of the 3G network. So in, in uh, without without trying to uh, interrupt your, your no, go ahead. Uh, schedule, uh, in reviewing the material, it, it was apparent that a coverage hole in the Canton, Sharon, Stoughton uh, corner, um, a reliable coverage hole was uh, was identified. That's correct. Um, and uh, this location, um, based on the graphs that I saw, fill that coverage hole. That's correct. Uh, with with uh, cell service. Uh, our primary concern, one of the, the issues that we had, and, and uh, I know you've had conversations with the fire chief, is that for uh, regional 911 uh, and county response and mutual aid coverage uh, for Canton, Sharon, and, and Stoughton, uh, this location is important uh, to allow co-location of, of uh, public safety uh, antennas, microwave, etc., on on the array at the proper elevation. I know that's something that is to be incorporated. Um, the other issue was um, space to locate a a uh, emergency response cabinet to to house their equipment. Um, under the under the I see there's one proposed shelter on a pad. Or a or a canopy, and uh, what the town is hoping is that uh, for the regional, for the county, we can have a a corner under that shelter for our own cabinet uh, for regional response. All right, um, a long answer to a, sh a reasonable question. Uh, it's really two different things. One, um, we need better telecommunications for. Um, public safety in general. People use yep. their cell phones for public safety purposes. In addition, public safety, like you talked about, police and fire, regional dispatch, have their own telecommunications needs, their own internal network. Um, and I spoke with the fire chief and the regional dispatch within the last week, and they expressed interest in co-locating on this tower as well. And the answer is yes, there's gotta be reasonable restrictions on that. They can't put a Volkswagen up there. They can't. Sure. Uh, we have to have a contract and make sure that there's um, limitations as to who can climb the tower and things like that. Uh, as an infrastructure developer, we can provide space on the tower free of charge. Uh, I, I can't be responsible for building or providing the antennas for the, the chief's network, but uh, we can certainly provide space on the tower. And to be honest, it kind of dovetails with what we're trying to do because the type of antennas that the regional dispatch uses are very different and the type of antennas deployed by Verizon and other telecommunications companies. Right. So that's an easy uh, ask, and we can certainly say yes. Uh, with respect to shelters, um, we build a compound. We bring in utilities, and then individual telecommunications companies like Verizon uh, bring in their ground-based equipment as well and install it there. What's happening, oh, and I spoke to the chief about this, and he understood this, but uh, uh, and also dispatch, 
what's happening is the equipment on the ground is getting smaller. And if you drive by some cell sites that were built 20 years ago, there's big equipment, buildings, shelters, very much like the shed we just heard about. Uh, 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 that's evolving, and the, equip the equipment is getting smaller. They're going in smaller cabinets. Right. Uh, and so we can provide space for the town to put its equipment. They'd have to buy its own equipment, buy its own cabinet, but we would certainly provide that space. We would bring in sufficient power and other teleconnectivity um, through fiber to uh, um, accommodate the public safety needs. So these are all yeah. details that I can work Basically, out. Basically, we're looking for, for verbiage that allows, uh, that, that allows the town, uh, gives the town space and location to to have the town install its equipment. Exactly, yes. Is, is uh, what we're looking for. So. And, and we have language that we've incorporated in other decisions that are uh, similar. It's a, it's a common ask and we can certainly accommodate. Right. Um, the property itself is 12 acres. It's right on the Stoughton border. Access is actually over NASA Ahmed Road, which uh, starts in Sharon right. uh, and uh, continues. The property is the Fishing Game Club. I think it's been there for a lot longer than we've all been here. Uh, it's it's essentially undeveloped. There's a, a, a small building that's already there, a small um, firing range that uh, the members and I think public safety officials use. Um, the, the property is um, wet. There's substantial wetlands to the west, um, not on this property, but on the uh, eastern abutting property is substantial wetlands. And it's also uh, the, um, um, it also abuts a very substantial power line easement that uh, the power company uses to provide power to uh, the whole region. So it's, uh, uh, it's uh, our, we've been actually working on this for several years. And part of the reason is, is that it was very difficult to work, uh, to find a place that met all the zoning requirements, um, didn't impact the, 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 the fish and games operations, met all the wetlands requirements. Our engineers went back there three or four times to shift it here and there. And I think we found a place, they couldn't get it out of the, the wetlands uh, resource area, but it's about 190 feet away as, as opposed to 200 feet away. So we're confident that we've picked a good location and in addition, um, we're set back substantially from all abutting property lines, from all uh, public rights away, uh, uh, um, in an area that's uh, densely forested and will never be developed because it's wet and, and used by the gun club. So I think we picked the location. Um, if this were just a special permit, uh, we've provided an application that, that meets all of the zoning criteria. It, it meets the height limitations. It's, been designed for multiple telecommunications companies. It meets all the required setbacks. So I think we have a pretty compliant application with, with the exception of the location in the uh, residential zoning district. I would point out that uh, in the interests of uh, public safety and public interest, uh, the town has issued uh, variants in the past in a residential district uh, near Cedarcrest on Dedham Street for communications tower <coughs> in a residential district. Uh, to fill a major gap uh, that was at the located on Blue Hill Country Club property, it, it's it, it's um, um, pretty much every application I file now, and I'm probably in 20 towns actively right now, and I think I've probably been in 150 towns in Massachusetts over the past several years. Uh, we require a variance because when people were trying to regulate cell towers, they said 
put them in the industrial zone, put them in the commercial zone, put them way out in the middle of nowhere. But as we've seen, you know, it's becoming a residential technology and it just requires us to go closer and closer to residential neighborhoods. And it becomes exceptionally challenging in a town like Canton where any land that's been developed has probably been developed. And uh, um, it's a, a very densely um, developed town. Uh, and so finding any 12-acre parcel that uh, meets the setback requirements and all the other restrictions of your zoning bylaw is incredibly challenging. And we feel very lucky that we were able to find something that really has no impact on the residential neighborhood but provides a great place to put a, a telecommunications facility. The facility itself is uh, what we call a monopole style tower. I think there's existing towers like it in town. It's a single pole, like a light pole, that'll go up 120 feet in the air, and there'll be different uh, platforms on which um, Verizon and other telecommunications companies will attach antennas. All the cabling runs down through the the, the pole to the base of the facility. The base of the facility, it, it's about, uh, I think our, this particular one is like 60 by 70. Uh, it's um, given the challenge, I don't know if you've been to the gun club, it's a little bit of a slope there. They're building it into the side of the hill, so three of the sides will be um, um, kind of shielded by a retaining wall and the, the slope itself, and the front side will be um, shielded by a stockade fence. There'll be, uh, um, uh, chain link fence at the top of their training wall to prevent unauthorized access. But uh, nobody's going to see the compound from where it is because it's built into the side of the hill. Uh, and then uh, the tower itself, even though we build things that sound tall, 120 feet, uh, I think the, the planning board was satisfied that it's really not going to be visible given the, the uh, topography, given the, the way, uh, as you come up Nas uh, Nasser Ahmed Road, the land behind it slopes up and then slopes down. So we're kind of behind the hill. And I think uh, um, we picked this up and we can go through the photographs and show that it really doesn't have any visual impact on Nasser Ahmed Road or on Main Street or even Highland Ave in that neighborhood to the north. Uh, 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 and these type of facilities, um, there are already many similar existing facilities in Canton and Sharon and Stoughton and all the surrounding communities. I think there's um, thousands um, throughout the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and tens of thousands throughout, or maybe even more than that, nationally. So um, the, um, these facilities are very low-powered facilities. We're not trying to build something to broadcast throughout all of Canton or all of eastern Massachusetts. This is really designed to cover an amorphous area a mile north, a mile west, a mile south, to a very low-powered facility. And the reason for that, it's a, it's a two-way communication. You put your cell phone to your head and you, that's a low powered communication to communicate with the facility. So you want facilities to be closer to the mobile devices so it doesn't have to work as hard. Um, these facilities broadcast out at about 100 watts. And by way of comparison, um, the, the, the radio station towers that are up in Needham, right along Route 128, the big tall ones, those broadcast out at about 50,000 watts. And, and yeah, WBZ, that's the WBZ you can get in almost to the New York border and so well into New Hampshire. I do a lot of work in New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, I sometimes I use that reference and people say, oh, yeah, I can hear WBZ. We're not trying. It's a whole different technology. We're trying to cover a very small area of Canton and Stoughton. I, uh, I think one of the other things that uh, we've incorporated in some of our other telecommunications cell towers are decommissioning. Yes. Bonds uh, um, or fees. Uh, we submitted. We submitted in the original application an estimate of decommissioning, uh, 
and uh, uh, we'll produce a bond that shows it. To be honest, I've never actually seen a bond exercised. Um, these facilities are designed uh, to be here for a while. We sign long-term deals. Um, um, the, the technology isn't going to go away. Even as we have advances, it's going to get complemented. That's why the bonds are so cheap. Right. What's that? That's why the bonds are so cheap. Right, exactly. And uh, um, um, uh, um, we don't anticipate that we'll ever need the bond. Uh, 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 however, the, the town is reasonable in asking, and we would certainly provide a bond. the only other pertinent question at this point, and I think you've covered it just about, and I'm going to open it up to the other members and, and to the general public. Uh, the fall zone for, for the tower is within the... Uh, um, I don't Probably. know what you're talking about. Well, for and, the 120 uh, feet for a collapse. That's kind of a joke. Uh, uh, I never use the word you described because that implies something that doesn't happen. Right. Your, your zoning bylaw has what we call a tower height setback. There you go. And, uh, uh, and this, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think we're, um, the tower itself is 120 feet tall. Right. And we are set back more than 500 feet from the nearest property and 800 feet from other areas. Uh, I just wanted to get that on the record. Don't, don't quote me on those numbers. I just want to look at it. But it's, uh, um, I think that the nearest um, abutting property line is uh, uh, 230 feet, so more than twice the height of the tower. I, you know, I think that uh, we've been doing this quite a while. I think we have the general concept of what's going on. Um, we will have to have you back on the uh, 15th uh, after we get our, our recommendations from the planning board uh, for final vote. But uh, hopefully we can, we can wrap up the hearing uh, subject to uh, recommendations of the planning board <coughs> um, tonight and uh, just take a vote at that point in time, depending on what kind <coughs> of um, tonight. I'll also tell you I submitted a 30-page memorandum going through the zoning bylaw, how we comply with it, how we comply with Mass law regarding variances. I'm sure you've all read it. Right. Uh, yep. And in addition, um, there are some federal provisions that um, I don't want to say override. I don't that dovetail with the local and state regulations. Um, the federal government is very supportive of wireless infrastructure. Um, um, the federal courts have been very supportive of wireless infrastructure, and it just um, um, you know the, the federal government recognizes the public safety need, the benefits that we all enjoy from better telecommunications. And uh, so there's very extensive federal regulations that require you to look at things a little bit differently um, than a traditional zoning application. Uh, and uh, uh, I, my suspicion is the town has already thought about that. Sure. Mr. McCourt. Um, good presentation, sir. Uh, I had watched the planning board of, of the last meeting they had and um, their concerns, and they, I guess they did a site visit. I had tried to talk to the couple of them on that site. I went there. Um, this afternoon, but there was a gate there. You can't get in there. It's pretty uh, Couldn't get into the site. Well, it's protected because it's a gun site um, They had a question some of the questions that they were concerned about a of the abutters that we haven't heard from yet um, There's a bunch of high tension wires in between the tower and the houses too. I believe right Let's say setback about 200 feet from those high tension wires. Yeah, we're towers, more than that there. But more than tower height setback. From yeah, the it looks it looks pretty deep in there um, I don't know the visual effect it would be on those neighbors. It doesn't seem to be maximized. Uh, there was mention of a generator 
Uh, it's probably a backup generator. You described it very well. It's like the third phase after the battery backup and what have you, which is essential for communications in a disaster anyhow, because yes. that was a discussion. I'm just concerned about what the butters might have their concerns with. Um, you said you hadn't met with any of them. You haven't heard from Well, this is the place that we usually hear from them. Um, so I'm just concerned about what theirs. Uh, off, from my visit down there with the high tension wires, this tower seems to be not that visual, if any, to that neighborhood. Um, so I don't know what their concerns would be, uh, other than maybe that generator making noise, but the way you described it would be hardly used. Uh, I imagine anybody in this room in a dire emergency, heavy snowstorm outage, they'd want to use that tower. Uh, like you said, generators, this is the third source power. We bring in, um, there's already power there, yeah. and, and they're very, it's like 200 or 300 amp service, so it's nothing substantial. Uh, in addition, all the equipment has backup batteries that might last 12 to 20 hours yeah. in the event of a short-term power failure, and then there would be a backup generator in the event of a long-term power failure. But if, um, um, as you come in from uh, Nasser Ahmed Road, the facility is actually going to be fronting north so and from three sides it's going to be built into the side of the hill right. so that just the construction alone creates another noise mitigation you're not the generator is never going to work you go on it might cycle on once a week just to make sure it, it works what is the service traffic after this is built what would be the surface service traffic in that area on down that street um, i'm going to tell you it's about a six-week construction process once it's built Nothing. Uh, someone might come by once a month to check on it, to make sure the fence is intact. Um, and even that's getting less and less because the equipment is all remotely monitored. Uh, so if there's any malfunctions, they detect it off-site. Uh, um, it, it's really just maintenance visits. It's not regular visits or anything like that. There's no man, there's no water, there's no sewer, there's no noise. It's all passive. It's, a, uh, um, it, it's really quite benign. Thank you. That's all, right. all I have. Thank you, Mr. McCourt. Mr. Corey. Yeah, uh, Mr. Parisi, I, I loved reading this. Um, I'm, I'm a uh, land use lawyer as well. Um, and he plays one on TV. Yeah, <laughs> but I never stay at a Holiday Inn. Um, the, um, under the, you established in this memo, which is great, um, the public need for this. Um, the under Chapter 40A, variances are not allowed, use variances are not allowed. You know, there's a predicate for it, if the towns allow it. Um, and you've cited cases where the Federal Telecommunications Act uh, came into conflict with zoning, um, zoning law. Um, you cited a number of, and I apologize, I got the package uh, yesterday and I haven't had a chance to pull these cases. You cited a uh, number of New Hampshire cases, as well as uh, the town of Cranston. I assume that's a Rhode Island case. Um, and then one or two Massachusetts cases, which I want to go over, is under, as you know, under the, uh, Canton allows uh, use variances um, if, the, if extreme circumstances are, are found. Um, and the, the one of them, one of the criteria is uh, hardship on the owner. Um, and I understand you established the public good and the hardship for the, for the community, for the police, for public safety. Um, but I want to look at cases, and I'll pull them, and if you could direct me to them, 
uh, that show that the, that, there, that, that the hardship that we can find is in um, something other than no other use of, the, 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 that the owner can, um, has no other ability to use the property. Um, because that's normally the criteria you find, and we've, I, I wasn't aware of the case that the chair cited about uh, the public safety issue at, at Blue Hill Country Club, but as I, as I, and I've been in front of this board before, I was a board member, I think there were two use variances that this board has granted. Um, uh, I, I'll, um, I apologize, because sure. I, I do work throughout all of New England, and sometimes my memo gets dated. Um, this, Cranston case was a First Circuit case, right. not just a Massachusetts case. There was a very recent First Circuit case in the town of Randolph, next town over. Okay. And it actually involved the tower. It just got built within the last couple of years. It's right up against 128 in the interchange. Is it Route 38? Uh, um, right in the, in the interchange there. And that went to the First Circuit. Uh, and then there are two very famous cases, one in Plainville and one in Lincoln. And they actually said, uh, uh, I was involved in the case in Plainville. Plainville said, um, we want to do it, we want to do it, we want to do it. We can't grant a use variance. And the circuit court said you have to grant a use variance even if you're prohibited from doing it. Lincoln stands for the provision that uh, you can grant a variance. Um, and it, there's two ways of looking at it. One is under mass law, and several cases have said mm -hmm. that the hardship is created by the technology and the topography. And so one of the criteria right. of, of hardship is topography, and given the topography, given the land use in Canton, given the, uh, uh, the terrain, uh, um, there is a hardship in providing the technology in those limitations. Okay. Uh, in addition, there's other cases that say, even if you can't find that, the Telecommunications Act requires you to look at it a little bit differently and say, um, um, is there a gap in coverage? Right. Uh, and the, the data very much supports that. And is there no viable alternative? Right. Uh, and, and I think the data supports that as well. And you know, given the land use in all of uh, Canton, it's pretty easy to show that there aren't a whole lot of other choices right. here. Uh, um, and uh, so, because what the town can't do is have the effect of prohibiting. If you were to say only in the industrial zone, and I haven't looked at your zoning map, but I suspect the industrial zone is up on 138 in the corner there. There's nothing going, towards, going on there. Right, right, exactly. And there's already a tower there that I was responsible for 25 years ago. Right. Uh, uh, so, you know, by saying you can only go in the industrial zone and the technology, there's clearly a hardship there. Right. And um, that would be deemed an effective prohibition under federal law. Uh, if I gave you my email, could you send me those? You don't need even to supplement the memo, no. just if you could send me the cases. Absolutely. Because no. I want to make sure that. Because it, the way I've looked at it was always, and I have never come in uh, conflict between Chapter 40A and the Telecommunications Act, and I acknowledge that the only way you can get cell service in that corner, that tri-county, tri-city corner, is through a tower, and you know where are you going to put it? Um, but uh, I just want to make sure that we have the legal authority to do it under 40A rather than. Um, I'm confident that you have the authority under 40A or under the Telecommunications Act, right. and I don't care how you get there. Uh, 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 but, and, and there's ample case law to support that, so I'll certainly... Uh, Give you my, uh, my card, yeah. if you could, before you go. All right. Is that it, Mr. Corey? That's no. it. That's where my... Would anyone in the hall like to comment with respect to uh, this?
Good evening, Ms. Matthews. Good evening. Uh, Suzanne Matthews here representing Sophia Mason um, in opposition to this particular petition. There are others here that are rebutters also that may want to speak on the issue. Mm -hmm. um, what we, as um, the council has represented, they're here seeking a, a variance to construct and install telecommunications facility in a residential district. They're also looking for a special permit under the bylaw and approval, site plan approval. The first um, issue that we are seeking, um, first and foremost, is a request that this matter be continued, not to your next meeting, but till at least sometime in January. The reason we're looking for that, at least for a 45 day period, is to provide, this is a, as you're well aware of, is the, it's a very intense, very technical, very um, involved bylaw, including the site plan approval. And the petitioners in this case would like to have the time. I know that I do respect for the attorney doing this and everyone looks at it. I read all of the material. I can't say I fully understand all of it, but at least I familiarized myself with it. And it's all based upon their expert opinion and their maps and their information. My clients and other providers should be entitled to the time to review that, to hire their own individuals. Certainly not gonna be me that is going to be giving them the opinion on those issues. I was just retained by, to do this yesterday. Um, and the other issue with, with looking for the continuance would be looking for the same thing from the planning board. Because one of the issues that I found, and it's not just in this case, and I'm not criticizing or finding judgment on the <coughs> board, but it's interesting how notice is given in these cases. And it's a very limited to notice when you're referring to the planning board. What happened in this case, and it's happened in others, is, as the applicant said, he provided the application October 13th. I don't have the exact date. I know that the board, your board, sent out the notices when they were required to send them out. But the way that I understand that it works is the application goes to the zoning board. The zoning board opens it, it refers it to the planning board, and the planning board makes their presentation. Well, the way that it's been happening, and it happened in another case um, that I was on recently, I realized, is that all of this activity at the planning board, and the abutters didn't have any opportunity to participate. They didn't know. It really is not telling you how to do your job, but the way it's written, I think that when these cases come in, it should be hold a public hearing, open it, refer it. Planning board isn't required to send any different notice. That is the way that people then know to follow the situation and to participate. So you're basically going to get a recommendation, and I agree with, um, the petitioner from the planning board material that I reviewed, they made up their mind weeks ago that there probably will be a favorable recommendation. That decision and opinion is going to be issued without any input from the advice. Through no fault of anyone, but that is just the way the system has been working. In other cases I've had in the past, it always seemed like it would open here first, planning, you'd get notices going to the planning board and everyone was on board. So that's what we're looking for simply for um, a continuance to at least sometime in mid-January so they can exercise those rights and that the, they would request the same on the zoning board. Um, and then we do have the issue of um, the use and the variance as to use. And I won't even go into tonight whether or not I think they make, make the variance um, standards, which are very narrow, and I, based upon what I reviewed, I don't believe that they do. Um, and the issue is I also have, because I just had this, I heard of the, you know, the Blue Hill uh, Country Club decision, but I haven't really read that and looked at what went on. What happens in these cases as well as a lot of legal cases we all know, 
There's standards of the law and they're very fact specific. So you have in your bylaw that it provides that it can only be done in, in a uh, industrial, limited industrial area. Um, they're now seeking a variance to put it in another use. I'm not quite sure on what standard you were allowed to grant that variance because when you look at the Mass General Electric 40A Section 10, and that states it does not empower you to grant variance as to use unless your bylaw specifically provides for that. Which it does. I'm not sure where it does say that it can provide for variance of use. And if you want to lead me to that, again, I just had this in reviewing it today, um, but it talks about special permits and it talks about different, different sure. kinds of it, but um, that is an issue that we think, I, I need to look at that further, yep. but even if it does, I'm not sure that it made those, that criteria. And that is because when you're talking about, and everyone's saying there's a gap, well, the cases that I've used sort of surmise and say, a gap is a very broad same word. What kind of a gap is that? Is it a substantial gap? And does that gap, as I've seen it, and I'm sure um, Vertex Council knows a lot more about it than I do, but they talked about the gap is to the extent that it is causing the inability to use cell phone service, or inability to do it. And so all of these things, we don't have the answers tonight, but I think they're very important questions and issues that need to be looked on. Certainly doesn't, um, we don't believe that it's in the interest of justice to the public to have this decision being made in another two weeks when no, when they haven't had the opportunity to do their research, to formulate their position, and to have any say in what occurred in the planning board. Page 152 of the zoning bylaw. Excuse me? Page 152 of the zoning bylaw. Thank you, Barbara. I feel um, I think that's reasonable to uh, to take some time to review the material. Um, I also understand your, <coughs> um, your um, concern about procedural issues with planning board. Um, it's something we have to address. Uh, <coughs> after the opening of a hearing, the planning board has 35 days uh, to offer their recommendation window. Um, I've been on the board for 20, more than 20 years. I can't remember the last time um, that 35-day window has, has held up. Um, we also have a time clock ticking on the application of total, and <coughs> total time to offer um, to make a decision uh, to hold a hearing, depending on whether it's a, um, a site plan approval, variance or request, or, or denial. Uh, there's whole various statutory uh, time periods. So certainly work on that. Um, I think it's reasonable to ask for an extension to review the material. Obviously, none of the abutters, until they were notified by the zoning board, attended the planning board uh, meetings uh, to get any of the information or gave their input to the planning board uh, for their recommendations. <coughs> um, what would, would you see as a reasonable, would you think, the January 12th meeting? We would prefer to be honest with you to have it the next meeting after that. The 26th? Correct. Uh, does the applicant have any uh, issues with that? Um, yes. Um, I didn't hear any complaints about the application. What I heard is complaints about the town's process and procedure. Yep. And um, I 
filed the application back in October, middle yeah. of October, uh, and uh, I didn't do anything wrong. Nope. Uh, 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 I, and in addition to the Massachusetts statutory time frames, uh, there are federal statutory time frames. And it, it always becomes a problem when I go to go to planning board and zoning board, and which comes first, chicken or the egg, and someone doesn't want to make a decision until the other one makes the decision. And uh, uh, my concern is that- about we, January 12th? Uh, I, I would actually respectfully request if there's a meeting on the 15th, and the reason is um, because I haven't heard any questions that I'm being asked to answer. I so, have, I have. Oh, we cannot, we can, we can. I have, wait, just, just give me a second, Suzanne. I have serious concerns. What I was going to say to the chair is that I want, I would really like it if town council would weigh in on where we go in, in a conflict between 40A um, and the Telecommunications Act. I'm not sure, and I don't know if the town can rely on my legal research as a volunteer on this board. I want to give our council, our town council, time to weigh in on this. I understand the need, but I'm not sure that we're doing this right. Mm. Um, this sounds like it should be, you could certainly go to town meeting and get it rezoned, that area rezoned to allow this. And I know that would create a timeline problem for you, but tough. I mean, we all have that. Because normally, if you were to go, if there weren't this issue, this Telecommunications Act, you'd be dead in the water here with the use variance because there's there isn't with that with regard to that property, you're not the the owner of the property is not uh, totally lost in terms of other uses. So, it, but, and that is generally the standard for hardship, not public hardship. Um, but I acknowledge everything you've said about the public need. I really want to have um, town council weigh in. Um, and I think we need more time than two weeks. No, I, well, what, we have a decision what, due March 1st, so by, uh, by our calculations. Okay. So what, would, what date would you uh, prefer to continue to? Into January. It, it would all depend on how long um, town council could. If I could interject, sir, I understand. What I'm concerned about is that if we have a meeting on January 26th and someone says, ask the question and I don't have an answer for it, then we're kicking it into February. So what, what I'd like to suggest is that we have a meeting on the 15th, knowing that we might not get done on the 15th. 15th of December? Yeah. Don't you have another meeting in December? Yeah. That's, we that's wouldn't too, even have, that's we wouldn't have any feedback too. from All right. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to take this bull by the horns. We're going to continue it to the 12th. Um, and... Uh, we understand that uh, the clock is ticking and we have a decision that has to be done by March 1st and in place we haven't till then. Hopefully we'll get this done in January. Uh, we're going we're to continue this to the 12th. Um, do you have copies of sufficient materials that uh, you need? I have received a copy from the planning board um, as to what was filed. I don't think anything else filed planning, yet. I don't have the most recent. We'll get you copies of that. And unfortunately, we don't have any color coded color copies, and we appreciate it if we get any. We'll get you that as well. Um, now, uh, a lot of the maps and the entry, all of that is based upon the colors. You understand that this planning board is meeting on the 7th again? They're meeting next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. And we would ask them, I don't know if it's up to them, to also continue their process. I know. Well, I, I mean, that's between you and the planning right. board. Um, and I would suggest that you, uh, you and your, your those that you represent, uh, 
make your presence known at the, the planning board. All right, we're going to continue this till um, January 12th. Mr. Mr. Yeah. Chair, there are other people in the room that maybe oh, want to sorry. speak as well. I, and I just want to get questions out so that okay, we can Okay, that's a them. very good point. I, I realize, Ms. Matthews, were, you were speaking for a specific group. Is there anyone else in the hall that would like to comment with respect to the petition? Sorry about that. Yes, sir. Please use the microphone. Tell us your name and address. Uh, either one. Use the, either microphone. Yeah, Whoever you, wants to. You want to speak? Whoever wants to speak. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So my name is Bill Mason, and I live on uh, Nasserat. Yes. <clears throat> That's my name. I have a name. <clears throat> I, want, I want you to understand that there's a little bit of backstory. So I stood here maybe 20 years ago. <clears throat> the same issue of uh, the Kenton fishing game, uh, trying to can build a cell phone at the time. Um, I don't know where the representatives are. Mr. Maybe it's Vertex, I don't know. But I have a name and I want to introduce you to the person who this gentleman here drove down the street that was built by the woman that's sitting at the end of that um, road. The reason I'm doing that is because they didn't do it for profit. They did it for what sits behind you, sir, hanging on that wall. I hear December 7th, I see the American flag as they go, my father on World War II, serving in PE Boat 150, and my brother, a United States Marine. I think about the 35 years or so I spent with the, de the deputy sheriff in the Suffolk County Sheriff's Department, and I look, because I know the story, the backstory, which is quite important, of the woman who sits in the chair down at the end of that row, because her and her husband didn't profit from the development that this gentleman drives to, that the development that the Canton Fishing Game people um, are able to access their road, but it was asphalted, uh, utilities and all the rest of that, by the hard work of that person there, who has barely any use for hand So let's talk about hardship for a second. That is hardship. That's the reason why that flag stands on that wall. The last time I was here, 20 years ago, in front of Mr. Carroll, my hero, one of my heroes, Mr. Leary, on that zoning board of appeal, much respect to him, because he stopped what's uh, the application at that time. He was courageous. He had the political world on his shoulders. He was like Atlas holding the heavens above him. And he did it, because he knew, he understood the story, he understood our family, and I want to convey that to you. So I have to tell you, although it may not be germane now, we drove around Canton at that time, made cell calls from every, excuse me, every part of the town, recorded it, no issues at all. Any, any drop 911 calls? Can I tell you how many times I've called 911 from just about under those power lines? Was never an issue. So I'm speaking from the heart, I'm speaking from that flag, and the hard work and life that they've had a dream that they've been able to visualize. Because you know who lives there is her family. Her sons, her daughters, their children, and they've been able to watch them grow up. So the initial petitioner wanted to hide behind the American flag that stands behind your back, sir, and they wanted to make it a flag. <clears throat> this particular time, they wanted 
they want to hide behind, we're going to use this as a public service and we're going to cover town. This isn't about that, it's about money. It's about greed. No one's even talked about this, whatever the potential health effects are. I'm here to let you know um, that we're, we're vehemently against it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not alone when I'm standing up here. I'm standing up here for her and her, her husband of 70 years at home in bed right now is 94. That's why I'm here. So it's, it's just about, and, and we demonstrated through our submissions to the town at that time, yes, technology has changed. There were no dead spots to warrant any kind of a hardship, but let's not hide behind hardship because that is the definition of hardship and the American flag right there. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for entertaining. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to uh, speak with respect to this petition at this time? Yes, sir. I also am in the butter on Nasser Ahmed Road. And your name, sir? My name is Masood Hanif. I'm here representing myself and my wife and my children mm -hmm. who uh, reside on Nasser Ahmed Road. Uh, and I think that uh, despite the presentation by Jefferson and Attorney Matthews, summarize our current feelings very well. Uh, we have a number of questions. Uh, I appreciate the additional time to resolve them because there are questions of technicalities, of coverage, of bylaws, uh, chapter 40, uh, state jurisdiction, uh, where is the federal reach there's so many questions that need to be resolved before we can cogently come up with what is it, the driver behind our opposition. There's a, 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 nat a natural reluctance uh, on anybody's part to say, hey, put a cell, a cell tower in my backyard. That's not the issue with us. We know that, we, that the towns and cities and states need that cell, phone, that cell phone coverage. All of us have cell phones. That's not the issue. The issue is where should those cell towers be recited for the, for, for the general welfare, for the most, the most good, for the most people. Uh, we don't have that information to be able to say that that location is at the end of our street right now. Maybe it is, but we don't know that. We don't know that the, the bylaws don't allow them to do that, but we will. And so I appreciate the opportunity to, to further research this so that we can come back and we can have a reasoned discussion together. And hopefully all sides will have the courage to do what's correct at that time. Thank you very much. You're entirely welcome. Is there anyone else? <coughs> time for us to investigate what actually are the true concerns here. You know, years ago, when this issue <coughs> came up, we were notified by the planning board. We were able to attend those initial meetings. 
We then went to the zoning board and attended those meetings. So there was lots of time for us to find out the information, find out the true facts, have some research on our own, hire some, some experts in the area so that we were knowledgeable and could make a rational decision. This process has not been the same at all. And it's very disheartening. I, I feel like this is the 11th hour and this is being shoved down our throats without the benefit of knowledge. And that's no way to conduct business. That's no way for neighbors that can't fish and game to treat the people who have been their neighbors since 1975. That's not appropriate. We need that time to investigate and find out, is there truly a gap? Is this truly the only place that this tower can be placed? Is there not another uh, area, a, another tower that is already in existence that this could be cohabited on? These are, there, there are lots of questions and no one has given us the benefit or the respect of speaking to <laughs> We got a notice in the mail and have to quickly hire someone who we were, we were grateful that she took us on at the last minute to come and even speak on our behalf. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there anyone else? Yes, sir. My name is Dr. Sharif, and I'm the community leader of Ahmadiyya Muslim community here. And I would like to show my appreciation and thank you for giving us extra time and consideration. I say that from my heart because I have seen my community members in extreme distress over past two weeks. And especially my more severe lady here, Sister Saleh Hamid, who has been in her wheelchair. You can imagine in her 95 years of age, she chose to come and represent herself here. You can imagine the distress she must have gone through the past two weeks. And her husband, who has been bedridden, could not be here. So we are really appreciative of your consideration and excellent time. Thank you. Shukran. Um, is there anyone else? All right, we're going to continue this uh, hearing until the 12th of January. Mr. Chair, could I? Yes. Um, Again, my concern is that I hear all these questions with respect to the town's process and procedure. Yeah, you've made and, that clear before. No, I understand that. My, my, uh, I was wondering if we might set an earlier deadline for people to submit questions in writing. Because I truly agree that people need more time. My concern is that they're going to come nope, in January. we're not going to do that. We'll see you all on the 12th. Okay? Sure. Marsalam. Good evening, good night, have a wonderful... Uh... Can I have one minute? Yeah, go ahead. A planning board. Why don't you, uh, why don't you, uh, can you... I, I, I oh, okay. Just give me one minute. Yeah, you go, I'm gonna take... Uh, you I'm might gonna, need your demo. I'm gonna take a, a break for... Um, five, we're gonna take a five minute recess. It's a quarter of eight. I'm going to take a five-minute recess, and we'll be back in session.
Sorry. Uh, good evening again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've had our recess. It's now 10 minutes of 8. Um, I'm going to call the last hearing. Uh, petition of Canton Estates, uh, Wingate Companies, LLC, Davenport Investments 2, LLC. Special permit and or variance, if necessary, or requested it under the applicable provisions of the Canton Zoning Bylaws. For relief to construct a retaining wall without the required field stone veneer or other similar materials in a general residence district located at 32 Neponset Street, Canton, Mass., Map 26, Lot 19. Public hearing will be held on Thursday, December 1st, 2022 at 6 p.m. Sala Meeting Room, second floor Memorial Hall, 801 Washington Street, Canton, this being the time and place. I have in my possession an application received by the Board of Appeals on November 2nd, 2022. And I also have a certified list of abutters prepared by the Canton Board of Assessors indicating that all those entitled to notice under the applicable provisions of Mass General Laws Chapter 40A have been so duly notified. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. And if you would tell us who you are and what you are looking to achieve. This okay, uh, I don't know if that works. Chris Nadjar, uh, Director of Operations for Wingate management okay senior director of operations I'm Emily Foreman I'm the property manager of Canton Estates Melissa Ganey property manager of Canton Estates Wow okay so uh, my understanding and you can start correcting me is that um, there was some form of retaining walls on at the existing property that are in disrepair or that need to be reconstructed um, in order to protect the, the property. Um, I'm looking at some photographs. Yeah. It's a retaining wall at the back of the property. It's Holy mackerel, look at lot. that. Yes. It's at the very rear of the property. It's pretty far from the Ponset Street. Um, and we, we sit quite a ways up from the abutters, and there's like a buffer area between with like yep. trees. So right now you can, if you really looked, you could see it, but the rest of the rest of the year you can't even see it because of the trees and stuff. And, yeah. And we we didn't know about this um, the veneer that they required for, and it's it's very um, costly. But um, so that's why we're here. Uh, maybe we could paint the wall green. Uh, uh, maybe put some bushes or something in front of it if it bothers anyone. Or I, the, I don't know. Or the liner as well as another option, right? The form so I, I'm, I'm looking at the wall yep. and the repair. And it looks like you need to asphalt all the way right up to the edge of the wall. So for Top for, of the wall. For top of the wall for circulation for the vehicles and stuff. Yeah, and we're going to put a guardrail. It calls for a guardrail. We had an engineer do the plans and everything. So that was because my first question was going to be, could you could you make this out of a couple of shorter walls that are staggered uh, with the with the landscape block? That's certainly be less expensive too than a structural retaining wall. But it looks to me that your your site is very very tight, and the answer would be no. Um, I'm trying to get this on to see where this is on the uh, assessor's maps so 
you bear with me one second. 26, about 19. Mr. Chairman, if I may. Yes, go um, ahead. How, of the, of the, I was at the site. It, and you have a fenced area now just to protect people from falling over yes. that area. Yeah. And it, it, the dumpster is in deeper A2. How like high like will the L. wall be exposed? Is the exposed part of the wall that you're constructing, the highest part of that wall, would that be six or eight feet? It looks like it'd be a minimal of six feet at the dumpster area anyhow. I believe it was six to ten feet. Yeah, six, six to, to ten. Six to ten feet. Exposed, yes. A good part of it will be underground. Obviously, yeah. we have to do the frost wall with the poured concrete. And that's where that bylaw comes in, is the, is the height of the wall. Um, the problem is, it's right now, if you went down Cape Cod Lane and went behind those houses, you can see that area. Yeah. I mean, it's plate that's out there. <laughs> but come the springtime, like you said, you ain't going to see nothing. You won't even know it's there. It's yeah. gone. So this is like a seasonal eyesore to the neighbors in a way. Um, I was just thinking that in those areas where the wall might be six to eight feet high to the neighbors that you could do shield it with plantings. Yeah. Uh, this, this area, not only is it difficult, it's going to be difficult to do this project. He literally has to build it's, a road. It goes down. I mean, it's a deep drop at that yeah. site. Is it, this, is it the, it's at this back corner here? If you look at the, if you're going in the parking lot at Canton Estates. There's, there's, the, there's the lot. Here's the lot. Where's is the it, parking is lot? Is it this back corner? No, it's from, where's Cape Cod Lane? Here's the lot. Yeah, it's right here. Yeah. It's right here, right in this area. It's here. the middle. Yeah, not but it's part. not, it's right, I mean, if you look at it, there's a lot of land between these houses. Yeah. So this is the wall right there, you know. But, so I mean, you could see it, if it was constructed today, and you looked at behind one of those houses on Cape Cod Lane, she would blatantly see this concrete wall. And um, my concern was that the abutters would be up here. We would see a bunch of abutters here today with issues with this wall. That was my yeah. main concern, and I'm not seeing the abutters now. But I think it, because it's a safety, it's a health issue. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. I mean, just walking in that area, I didn't really want to go down there. Um, and to, I think it would be not a problem to, allow them to do the concrete, but I think in that area where it abuts those houses that they could do some plantings of trees to... Some evergreen. Evergreens or something. Some, some on that or area on the so bottom that, that at this grow. time of year that will not be an eyesore yep. to those neighbors. And Probably that's my so. biggest concern. Not so much that it's a concrete wall. It is in the back area. There is that buffer zone between your neighbors. But I think for an assurance for those neighbors it would be advised to allow this concrete wall with some trees, probably four feet. Yeah, I mean, the current wall that's there now that could actually anything. disguise, you know, a good eighty-five percent of that wall at this time. Like, and you the know, thing is, you don't need you don't need tree after tree after tree. I mean, even trees at six feet apart, yeah, would would pretty much break water, up the yeah. the the image, yeah. and it uh, would would make it uh, would camouflage. But seeing no major opposition, I think that would be a. a, a, a <laughs> Yeah. A fine thing to do for what do you think, that environment where it was a stone wall, and you know, you know, it's how long has that been there? The complex since '87 when it was built, the property. Yeah, it's been there that a while. I've lived again in my life. That hill's been, been there a long time. Long time. But uh, it's definitely stone wall probably preceded the uh, building. 
Oh, it was probably down at the same time as that park. Because the soil was being washed down the hill. And the dumpster area is... That's part of the job. Yes, that's part of the plan. Thank you. But seeing no opposition, I would... uh, Well, is there anyone in the hall who would like to speak with respect to this petition? (laughs) (laughs) Seeing none, uh, what is your pleasure, Mr. McCourt? Would we do this under a special permit? Sure. Yes, Uh, under 6.4.10. 6.4.10. Thank you, sir. Mr. Chairman, on petition of Canton Estates, Wingate Companies, 32 Neponsa Street, I make a motion under 6.4.10 that we grant a special permit for the construction of a retaining wall with, uh, without the veneer required under the bylaw, and that uh, to cascade or hide that wall, that plantings be put in front of it as to uh, disguise the wall from the abutters. So moved. At, at, uh Let's say no, no closer than uh, evergreen, evergreen, evergreen yeah. up, upright evergreen. Um, no closer, yeah, four, yeah, four to six feet apart. Is that fair? Yeah, no yeah. closer fair. than six no, feet yeah, apart. No, okay. Yeah. Second. Because it's only an issue in the winter. The, yes. Yeah. The buffer. Uh, motion has been made and seconded. All those in favor, <laughs> please signify by saying aye. 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 Unanimous. Done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good, Good luck. luck. Thank you. We'll, we'll try are you again. Do this in the spring? Yes, yeah. we have to. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to do it in November. I know it, yeah, I hear you. So Good luck with the plowing of that lot. <laughs> yeah. oh, I can't wait. Thank All right. you, You are welcome. We, uh, we have minutes. Yes. Thanks. Um, the meeting that I, previous meeting that I was not at. November 10th. We'll make a motion. Mr. Uh, Interim Chair, I'd like to move that uh, we approve the minutes of the meeting of November 10th. Second. Thank you. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. I read them. Aye. Okay, good. And I I saw the meeting. Thank you very much. I would uh, now uh, accept a motion to adjourn at the late hour of 8 o'clock. Chairman, I make a motion to adjourn at 8 o'clock. Motion has been made. Seconded. Seconded. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Unanimous. Good night, everyone. We'll see you again on the 15th. Remember, Santa knows who's naughty and nice. So (laughs) behave yourselves out there. Christmas is right around the corner.